0: Hi, and welcome back to the Savvy Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. So we all know, or were, the kid who makes us wish for the invention of a Ritalin blow dart. But real life, as always, is much more complicated. Is it appropriate to put kids on psychiatric meds? And once they're on, how long is long enough? Is it okay to take psychiatric medication for decades? This week, we'll tackle the topic of psychiatric meds that start early and last a lifetime. So this week's topic comes by request on Facebook from listener Anita Miko of Detroit. Anita works with foster kids and too often sees disadvantaged kids who've been on a cocktail of psychiatric medications from as early as age six. She asks, does such early use alter a child's brain or body? And have the effects of lifelong psychiatric medication been studied? So, childhood mental illness and resulting medication is equally overblown and underrecognized. Approximately 21% of American kids, that's one in five, will battle a diagnosable mental illness before they reach the age of 17, whether or not they actually get treatment. And the problem is anything but simple. Some childhood illnesses, ADHD and autism, for example, often get misused as grab bag diagnoses when something's wrong, but no one really knows what. This leads to overdiagnosis and sometimes over medicating. Other illnesses, like substance abuse, get overlooked or written off as rebellion or experimentation, leading to underdiagnosis and kids slipping through the cracks. But the most common problem is inconsistent diagnosis. For example, a 2008 study found that fewer than half of individuals diagnosed with bipolar disorder actually had the illness, while 5% of those diagnosed with something completely different actually had bipolar disorder. But let's get back to Anita's questions. So first, does early psychotropic medication alter a child's brain? So the short answer is yes, but the long answer might be different than you think. So a 2012 review from Stanford researchers analyzed over 50 studies that use neuroimaging, that is, MRI, fMRI, magnetic resonance spectroscopy, diffusion tensor imaging, and anything else that takes before and after pictures of the brain to examine the brains of kids with a variety of mental illnesses. So to be exact, anorexia, ADHD, autism, bipolar disorder, depression, OCD, and schizophrenia. And what they found was that overall, medication does indeed affect brain structure and function to a degree detectable by imaging, but probably not in the way you expect. So usually when we think, quote, brain changes, we think it means something bad like damage or stunting, but it's important to remember that untreated mental illness can also harm brain development. Early medication can help prevent the illness from getting worse or becoming neurally entrenched. Let's look at the anorexia group, for example. Before medication and therapy, teenagers with untreated anorexia displayed different brain activation than a control group. But after seven months of treatment, the differences disappeared. As the anorexic group regained weight and got better, their brains changed to be more like, quote, normal. Likewise, a 2012 study on kids and adults with ADHD revealed that, over time, treatment has a positive effect on brain structure. As a group, kids who received treatment had fewer brain structure abnormalities than those who were left untreated. Now, does all this mean it's acceptable to put six-year-olds on antipsychotics? The answer? We don't know. But it's no coincidence that med overload starts at age six, because this is when kids start school. When one child constantly disrupts the learning of 20 or 30 others, medication unfortunately can get called in as a neutralizing ray. But just like adults shouldn't substitute coffee for sleep or alcohol for relaxation, psychiatric medication should never be a substitute for teaching kids self regulation, dealing with a stressful family situation, or to sedate a child who's causing problems. In addition, Psychiatric medication should never be a standalone treatment for kids. Med should always play a secondary role to behavioral treatment, a school-based individualized education program, and or family therapy. That said, there are considerable barriers to making ideal or even adequate care happen, and regrettably, kids fall through the cracks as a result. On the professional side, psychiatrists who specialize in child and adolescent care are rare in some places and swarming in others. And sadly, availability often maps on to socioeconomic distribution. In addition, on the family side, things aren't perfect either. Parents often work in flexible shifts and can't participate in family therapy. They have other kids at home who need attention, or they might be struggling with psychiatric problems of their own. To sum up, as with most issues, there are multiple sides to this story. Over-medicating kids for the convenience of adults can and does happen. Medication does change sensitive young brains, and an inappropriately dosed or unmonitored child, like those our listener Anita is worried about, gets sent into uncharted waters. But consider an adolescent who's cutting or starving herself, a child with OCD so severe it keeps him from participating fully in school, or a kid with an ADHD diagnosis based on a comprehensive workup, not just some late-night internet research. These kids can truly benefit from well-considered medication prescribed by a child or adolescent psychiatrist. It would be a disservice, not to mention poor health care, to deny medication to kids who need it. In addition, before treatment, it's also common for anger, blame, and labels to become entrenched. This kid is a bad seed. My child won't amount to anything. Proper treatment, including medication, can give families relief from symptoms and a chance to undo these crippling labels. Okay, second, is it okay to be on psychiatric medication for a lifetime? As always, the answer is, it depends. For some adults with severe and chronic illnesses, like accurately diagnosed bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, or severe chronic depression, lifelong medication is not only okay, it can be an important part of good care. But to complicate matters, it's impossible to tell at the outset who needs an initial course of medication and can then taper off, versus those who need medication monitoring for a lifetime. Psychiatry is as much art as science. But what about kids? Is it okay to start psychiatric medication as a kid and take it forever? In short, no one knows. Most long-term studies of pediatric medication only track kids for a few months or maybe a couple of years. The reason is funding. Research grants are most often given out in two to five year chunks, and it takes time to get up and running and recruit participants, leaving only one or two years to properly follow the kids. Plus, there's the question of adherence. Most people are really bad about taking their medication consistently. Plus, prescriptions often change over time. So, the more accurate question to ask is what are the long term effects of taking a variety of psychiatric medications sporadically? For that, it's anyone's guess. And for now, that answer is beyond the cutting edge of science. So all we can do is our best. Now, for this episode in particular, it's important to note that I'm a psychologist, not a psychiatrist, so I don't prescribe medication and I'm not trained to do so. However, I am trained as a researcher, and I know my way around a medical library. So you can check out all the references for the studies in this episode at quickanddirtytips.com savvy hyphen psychologist. If the Savvy Psychologist is helpful to you, let me know by liking on Facebook, adding me to your Google Plus circles, or best of all, subscribing to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and a transcript of this episode, references for the studies I mentioned, and every podcast episode I've ever done are always available on quickanddirtytips.com savvy hyphen psychologist. And of course, I always say the savvy psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Thank you again. I'll see you next week for a happier, healthier mind.
1: Are you tired of the constant battle with anxiety and panic? I've got a podcast that I think you'll love. It's called The Anxiety Coaches Podcast where the host, Gina, gives you your weekly dose of tranquility and inspiration. Two new episodes drop weekly, packed with practical tips and lifestyle changes to help you calm that racing heart and bring peace back into your life. So if you're ready to bid farewell to sleepless nights and constant worry, tune into the Anxiety Coaches podcast and embark on a journey towards lasting calmness and a life free from anxiety's grip. Remember, it's not just a podcast, it's a lifeline. Join Gina on the Anxiety Coaches Podcast and let her soothing words be the balm your nervous system needs. Listen in and start your path to healing today. TheAnxietyCoachesPodcast.com Because healing begins the first time you listen.